Hello, thank you for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it's a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Andy and Masha. And this week, we're talking about being John Malkovich. Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. Ah. Malkovich. Sorry, I had to do it. (laughs) Being John Malkovich is a 1999 fantasy comedy about a down-on-his-luck puppeteer who discovers a secret portal that transports you directly into John Malkovich's head. All right, we've all seen. Yeah, we've all seen this plot there, so I think we can just breeze ahead. You know, it's (laughs) pretty standard. It is written by Charlie Kaufman and directed by Spike Jones, and starring John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, Catherine Keener, and John Malkovich. Nice. One could have guessed that. This is the youngest I've seen Cameron Diaz. It took me a while to recognize her. I, uh, all right, you said it first. I've been waiting to say this since we watched it. I am the one who is often or always accused of face blindness because I never <laughs> rec- recognize anyone. And we went through the entire movie and it wasn't until Listen. the very... Her name came up in the credits that you said it was her. It's so, which proves that I was thinking about it. The, I just yeah, didn't want to say it during the movie. Because uh, we don't talk during the screening. I don't know. That means you didn't know. You weren't I, sure. I was, well, I thought about it. At uh, least. No, I don't know. I'm You're like, you don't even consider when you think, when uh, you look at faces. I mean, I just flat out don't recognize, but like, I don't know. Cameron Diaz. <laughs> All right. All right. I got some, yeah, I got some notes on that anyway, but that's, that's <laughs> hilarious. I just have to call you out on the face blindness for once. So I wanted a victory for once. <laughs> I'll give I'll give you a quarter. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I also realized by watching this movie that I haven't really seen any John Cusack movies. No John Cusack movies at all. I don't think so. I I know who he is, but yeah. I just I feel like I've never seen him in movies or seen his movies. There's another actor in Hollywood that looks exactly like him. Joan Cusack. Oh, is that a lady? I'm talking it's about a sister. guy. His sister looks exactly like him. Who's oh, who's the guy that ha- ha- holds the stereo outside the that's window? John Cusack. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that's that's the movie I thought maybe you would have seen. It's no, say I anything. haven't seen that. Uh, yeah, maybe it's know. Nicolas Cage that I think he looks like. I yeah, I could see that. I can see it. But you know Joan Cusack. Oh my God, I love her. Are you? You didn't know. They look literally. They look like the same person with different they hair. They do not look like the same person. Joan Cusack and John Cusack, they have the same face. Yo, I know this is an audio podcast, and this is probably gibberish to you guys, but Masha's looking at two pictures. Everyone has a smartphone these days. Right, they I'm can just Google saying, it. and most people know who John and John Cusack are. But um, but yeah, I, I'm realizing I haven't really seen any John movies. Oh, nice, awesome. Based on the description I just gave, this movie's pretty out there and. Not, mm. not the most uh, normal movie you've ever seen. No, so it I is can't. Not. Where I, do you find these movies? I, I, I love you. Yeah, you said that when the movie ended. <laughs> you sounded like you sounded like a like a pair like an out of touch parent. You just like watch some weird shit. With you were just like, wait, where, where do you find this? Like, like, where, who gave you this? Who do you talk to on the internet? <laughs> who told you about this? <laughs> well, when you ask me where do I find this movie, I mean a lot of people saw this movie. It. Had a thirteen million dollar budget, made thirty two point four million, but it was nominated for three Oscars. Nice. It was best director for Spike Jones, best writer for Charlie Kaufman, and best supporting actress for Catherine Keener. 
So it was a huge movie. You know I'm in the middle of reading that 1999 best year of movies book or whatever that I'm like slowly getting through. Mm -hmm. That just talks about how, you know, for American movies, 1999 was a crazy year where tons of movies came out for all different, you know, quadrants of people. And, you know, no matter what kind of movie you liked, there was a great one that year. Cool. And with that being said, Ebert called this the his what he thought was the best movie of 1999. Whoa. So he thought it beat out all those other ones. That's in the face of uh, Matrix and Fight Club and so many others. All right. 1999. Yeah, that's the year. And I think it's subconsciously making me pick movies from it while I read the book because <laughs> Player Witch Project was 1999 and I'm like so close to picking Fight Club pretty soon too. Oh, you're so I think, totally. I think just as I'm reading chapters, I'm like, oh, I could do this one. Yep. Uh, but it, the either way, it's got... awesome. A hold on you. So before I jump into uh, some background on the people who made the movie, I guess I just want to jump into your personal background, Masha. What was being John Malkovich to you before (laughs) we watched this movie? The only thing I knew about being John Malkovich was the actor, John Malkovich. (laughs) All right. But I'm saying, did you know this movie? Like, did you know there was a movie called Being John Malkovich? I've heard of the title Being John Malkovich. Uh Uh-huh. But I never made an effort to find out what it was or ask any questions about it. So I really have no background at all whatsoever. (laughs) Never saw a clip in a film class. Nothing. Did you have any guesses of what it might be when we were about to watch it just based on the title? I mean, a pretty generic assumption could be made about what this movie was going to be yeah and it would be so wrong <laughs> yeah so what, like did you think it was just gonna be like a day in the life of john malkovich yeah like, or <laughs> at the very least one person takes over the identity of john malkovich <laughs> yeah, and yeah. is being john malkovich it's like a, yeah it's like an identity thief movie yeah that's fucking funny <laughs> that's the one thing that sucks about not talking about the movies at the time because i wanted to just look at you and be like did you think this is where we were going <laughs> Oh, you could tell by my face. That yeah, exactly. You're like, what? I did not think that. <laughs> so yeah, this is the first time up to bat on a, on a uh, feature-length movie for two people who have become basically two of my favorite filmmakers, Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman. Spike Jones. Yeah, Spike Jones. What has he done? He, so every time you say Spike, I think Spike Lee. Spike Lee. That's no, where my, yeah, go, this, this my is the mind other, goes. The other Spike. <laughs> oh, poor um, guy. So yeah, this was his first movie, but after this, he would have done adaptation which i know you haven't seen but i talk about it all the time and Mm. we'll be doing it on this podcast he did that adaptation of where the wild things are Mm -hmm. um he did her remember her oh yeah yeah (laughs) that'll be another episode on this nice and his movies are usually regarded pretty highly like critically like usually kind of makes these kind of multi-layered movies Mm -hmm. that you know they're not just kind of like a surface story you really he's he's usually trying something bold whether or not you think he nails it is up to you, but Got it. you know you you could you could you can't argue that he makes like bland, boring movies. They're very like I don't want to say sophisticated because it sounds a little pretentious, but <laughs> you know he makes like complicated movies. Okay. And then on the other end, the writer of this movie is Charlie Kaufman, and he's the one who wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm. He went on to direct that movie Anomalisa. He did the one that just came out on Netflix. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really yeah, he's he's a great writer too. But anyway, you know, f- just from seeing Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind when I had you watch that, <laughs> yeah, you could you could see that he also would go on to have a similar reputation to Spike Jones, where he kind of makes these 
quote unquote high level movies. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of they're not your average like guy meets girl and then they break. You know, it's like these fucking a little you, you below in, the surface. Yeah, you're going into the psyche and kind of really like deconstructing stuff and whether or not you like that it's your thing, whatever. But anyway, I find it funny that these two guys are really award-winning, Oscar-winning, really highly regarded as, like, the smart filmmakers out there. But both of their beginnings were in comedy and almost lowbrow thing, like, lowbrow things. So Spike Jones was a photographer for... He worked at, like, a BMX shop and would... he In his free time, he would start, like, doing photography of the BMX riders and the skateboarders, and he got really good, so he got hired by a magazine. Nice. And then, so he got his career started making skate videos and then turned that into making music videos. I'm not a huge music video guy. I don't pay the most attention to who's making what music videos when I watch them. I usually just watch them and move on my life. I don't really think too much about them. But out of all, everyone I know who is kind of famous for making music videos, Spike Jones is probably my favorite. Hmm. He's made some of the craziest music videos and most famous ones of all time. Some of them are, he did the Beastie Boy Sabotage video. He did Flat Fat Boy Slim's Weapon of Choice, Weezer's Island in the Sun. Ooh. And there's a bunch of other, he's done Kanye West videos, but... One that doesn't get a lot of recognition, but probably my fa- my favorite music video ever is "Drop" from the Far Side. Have I ever showed you that? No. Uh, it's bananas. It's it's too much of a detour to go into it, but it's if you guys want to see a really inventive music video, look up "Drop" by the Far Side. It's fucking awesome. Drop. So that was Spike Jones making music videos, making skateboard videos, and then right around the time that he made this movie, he also was one of the co-creators of Jackass with Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> really? He, yeah, just from the skateboard culture. And he loved pranks and silly stuff. And so he helped co-create. He filmed a lot of those. He's not oh, usually man. involved in the stunts, but he's usually behind the scenes and all, everything Jackass. Does he not want to be associated with Jackass? Is that the the next part of the story? No, he's still associated to this oh, day. Yeah, never mind. I thought he would be too sophisticated no, for Jackass. No, that's, that's why I love these guys because uh, they never, they still seem like the coolest dudes cool. ever, even though they make like real heady... You would just think that they would be a little bit kind of snobby, you know, mm-hmm. just I was like someone who, who thinks this way. They To me, they just think I would imagine without meeting them right. to be like, yeah, he's probably he's probably a bit of an intellectual, you know, but it's a little different. But it kind of reminds me how people don't expect comedians to have like legit thoughts. That <laughs> yeah, makes <yeah>. sense, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And then you get either like a dramatic performance or, or like a dramatic movie directed by a comedian and people yeah. are always surprised. You get Bo Burnham doing eighth grade and people <laughs> are like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, they are people. But yeah, no, he never stopped hanging out with the Jackass guys. He was working out. He was with, he's an executive producer on Jackass 4 that ended up stopping because of COVID, but mm-hmm. he's working on the newest one, you know? Cool. He's even produced the side movies and everything. So that was his start and then i would love to talk to one of these directors and be like what does your day-to-day how do you manage your life yeah (laughs) just all these multiple projects i just (laughs) anyway sorry to interrupt no it's all good i'm I'm going long-winded but i I love these guys and i want to talk about them and kaufman again known for writing very fancy schmancy smart smartsy Mm -hmm. smartsy fartsy <laughs> That's a thing. That's what he'd write. Yeah, he was he's very smarty fartsy. <laughs> his start was all in comedy. So he was always trying to be a comedy writer in the beginning of his career. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Kaufman started, you know, writing for the National Lampoon magazine and then he broke into script writing by just writing spec scripts for any comedy that was out. So he did like Married with Children, New Heart, The Simpsons. Wow. So, you know, that was just that's when you just write a script just to show people you can write. Nobody right. asks you to and you're not getting paid to do it. And then one of his like biggest hiring gigs that he got 
prior to this was actually that Dana Carvey show, the one that went one season and failed that they have that documentary on Hulu about. Mm-hmm. Too funny to fail. He was one of the main writers on that. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's just, I don't know. When I found that out, I found it so funny because, you know, he's Charlie Kaufman. Like when I, when I <laughs> learned about him, I was like, my first Charlie Kaufman experience was Eternal Sunshine. Mm-hmm. And I, that movie is still to this day probably my top five favorite movies. I love it to death. But I saw it at like 14 and I didn't even know you could make movies like that. Right. It blew my goddamn mind. So when I found out that his start was making like Dana Carvey, you know, Bill Clinton with dog tits jokes, <laughs> it was just, it was kind of like refreshing, you know? Like, hey, he's, like, he's like me. You know? Aww. <laughs> That's <laughs> he awesome. Fi- he finds silly shit like me and uh, it's funny. And yeah, he works with uh, kind of like Dan Harmon's crew a little bit too. Ooh, you love Dan Harmon. Yeah, those guys are hilarious. Uh, his animation studio, I don't even think it's open anymore, but it was called Starburn's Animation after the mm-hmm. community character. Nice. And they produced Charlie Kaufman's stop motion movie, Anomalisa. So yeah, he's same thing with him. He's never really lost sight of his friends. He doesn't think like, you know, the guy who makes the silly, you know, dumb jokes on Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah. He's not too sophisticated for them either. So yeah, that's I think these guys are awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. They sound like pretty cool dudes. Exactly. <laughs> so writing this movie for Charlie Kaufman was pretty much the same as what he did with those spec scripts, where he wrote this basically just to prove to people he could write, never thinking that a movie this crazy would ever get made, especially by a first-time screenwriter. Wow. Because it's such a nuts idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> And he said he just started this movie with a simple notion of I want to write a story about a guy who falls in love with someone who's not his wife and what that what those emotions mean. Mm. And then because he's crazy and Charlie Kaufman, then he started incorporating these other ideas he had of what if you could be in someone's head for 15 minutes and see the life through their eyes. So I might be getting a little ahead of your notes. Yeah, go for it. But was John Malkovich a part of this from the beginning, like in his so, script? Yes, it was. <laughs> so that's what's <laughs> hilarious. I, I was kind of assuming it was going to be one of those things where, because these are both first-time filmmakers, that it would kind of be whoever we could get is who we make the script about. Uh-huh. But uh, from all accounts, Charlie Kaufman has always said in every interview that it's, it was Malkovich from the beginning. <laughs> For what The main reason was he just always loved Malkovich. He thought his range was great, but he also thought he had such a distinct look and the way he talked. like oh, every, Everything about him, you're not going to confuse him with anyone else. But the other surface level reason he picked him was he just thought when you say his name over and over again, it sounded very funny. <laughs> and he tried it with a bunch of other actors and nobody else came out good. You know, like wow. no, nobody, you know, like if you would just be like, Brad Pitt, 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 you know, he just tried it with like everyone who was like a, a name at the time. And uh, so he weird. just was nothing was funnier than Makovic, 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 Makovic. He just thought it was like a very, like, he, like that's memorable. You know what I mean? It gives you enough syllables to like yeah, act upon. Exactly. And when they were selling the movie, apparently, so the studios didn't want to use Malkovich. Because <laughs> honestly, I, I didn't really think about it to this time either, but I can think of a ton of Malkovich projects, but I don't know how many huge starring roles he had up to this point. So I don't know how much. I know he was a huge theater actor and he did, he's done thousands of movies. He was like, I think he was in his 40s when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he was new on the scene, but I don't know if he had like that giant mainstream everyone knew his name appeal yet i could be wrong because i so the studio didn't want it because it wouldn't it wasn't like enough star power yeah so the main one they were trying to push was they wanted to try to sell to tom cruise and they were trying <laughs> to make being tom cruise uh, okay and uh, that's a whole different vibe and kaufman just wasn't <laughs> feeling it he was like it's gotta be malkovich 
But what was hilarious was Mal- Malkovich also didn't really want to do it. Like Aww. he, he, they got the script to him, and he basically was looking at it and just thought it was the craziest shit he ever read. He was actually like, I was quite amused by it, but I also <laughs> was like kind of creeped out by it at the same time. Oh, um, foreshadow. And so he kind of like politely was like, I don't think I want to do this. And then they kept kind of getting it to him and they kept pushing it and pushing it. And over time, he just kind of like was like, well, why don't you use someone else and do this and that? And then eventually he just went ahead and like decided like, you know what? These guys are crazy. <laughs> they they want to go for this. And he thought the script was good. He just thought it was so out there. Yeah. And I mean, great I, PR I, for him at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> just so oh, imagine going down that Tom, like going into a portal to be Tom Cruise and just. I feel like he would just be working out all yeah, the time. Or like, like flying, always at the doing gym. A, exactly. Doing a, a stunt or something. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's one of the so two. Yeah, he's either preparing for a stunt or he's doing a stunt. <laughs> or you're at Scientology and then it's a whole nother <laughs> movie. Oh, you break at the Scientology using the tunnel brain. All right. We're skipping to be on the credits. Yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> Anyway, I had a quote I got to give from Malkovich, a direct quote he had when asked, like, why he was apprehensive. Like, this was later after the movie of, like, why why were you, like, nervous about doing it? Got and it. he basically said, because either this movie is going to be a bomb and it's got, it's not only my name above the title. He's like, my name is the title, yeah. you know? So if this movie sucks, it's going to be associated with me. Okay, that's and he's And he's like, so I'm fucked that way. Or it does well and I'm a forever associated with this character. Which is a valid concern. It didn't actually happen, but oh. you know, I could I could see that as well. Where then he's like trapped as being whatever version of Malkovich he played in this. I see. Because he was pretty adamant that like he's not playing himself. He's playing a fictional version of himself. Like he's not actually friends with Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. And he tried to make, you know, we can get to it when we get to it. But he tried to make s- certain weird choices, like eating toast and ordering bath towels. Like he tried to make himself very like bland and and kind of give you like this weird look at a hollywood actor i don't know right. we'll get to it okay so he's not he's not trying to portray the real john malkovich in this movie you know what i mean that makes sense i didn't yeah. really think about it that way that you could be typecast to be the way you play yourself in this movie. yeah it could be very hmm. weird and he's very over the top in this so or not not very over the top but this movie's very over the top so he just he had concerns yeah but i'm, I'm glad he went for it uh, concerns. And it's funny the way this movie even got made was he wrote the script, Kaufman wrote the script in 94, and he was trying to sell it around. Everyone, every studio just rejected it. They were like, this is too crazy. Like, you're just some <laughs> kid, you're just some kid who writes sitcoms. Like, I, like, I don't know what you're doing here. And then it wasn't until he got it to Francis Ford Coppola. Whoa. And he read it and he actually liked it. He wasn't interested in making it, but he was like, this is cool. <laughs> and his daughter recently married Spike Jones. So Spike Whoa. Jones was his son in law. And he knew Spike Jones made all these great, uh, you know, music videos and was a great director. Oh, Spike and, Jones is in the Coppola film. Yeah, exactly. He's That's he's crazy. in the clan, uh, <laughs> and so he was just like he gave it to him and he said, "You should read this. I think this would be a great project for you." And yeah. then he loved it. He met Charlie Kaufman and two became buds. And then they were just like, "We're making this movie." That's amazing. And because of the Coppola clout, that's how they were able to get. That's basically even how they got it to Malkovich in the beginning. Like if it wasn't for, for Francis Ford Coppola, these two guys probably right. wouldn't have gotten this. In Pause. The- I got a tweet the coppolas and tell them that their family needs to get t-shirts that say coppola cloud (laughs) (laughs) and wear it at their family reunions you gotta get like the kids wear it at like elementary school like like, uh, i don't do the homework i got the uh, coppola cloud (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) i can't believe you just made that up i gotta get uncle jason schwartzman on the phone or uncle nicholas cage in here because this this is getting crazy (laughs) there's so many coppolas yeah also how did spike get spike how did Kaufman get in the room with Coppola as a TV uh, oh, writer? That, I, I have no idea. I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that, <laughs> that's great networking on his part. 
I don't know if he, he got in the room, but I think he just got the script to him somehow. Like, mm. you know, maybe it's just, I don't know how Hollywood would work in 94. You're probably just mailing your scripts around <laughs> and True. hoping people opened it and read it. Oh, the 90s. And with a title like being John Malkovich, you got to at least be like, what is this? You know, mm-hmm. like, it's not, it's not like Forever Love or so, you know, or something. <laughs> or like, it's not some bland title. Some other fun stuff about casting was the way John Cusack found this movie was he was feeling a little bit fed up with all the scripts he was being offered. They were all very just generic Hollywood, like rom-coms and kind of boring movies, Mm -hmm. he thought. So he told his agents, he's like, I don't want to read anything until you find me the craziest, most unproducible script (laughs) that's out there right now. And that was his exact, like instructions wow. and they came back with this and he read it and he was like get me an audition <laughs> like, i want to play this character that's amazing so, because it was just so nuts because he was he wanted to just be be a very you know t- take a left turn for a very famous actor that's great so i thought that was pretty cool yeah and so there's plenty more i can say but i don't want to overload this front part so i think we should just run into a non-spoiler section and get going turn up so we open up on some puppeteering Man, what a way to open the show. The way that these puppets are crafted are amazing. I couldn't believe how many strings were on this thing and how you get those movements out of them without intertwining them. Yeah, and even the facial expressions that are created on the puppet. Yeah. It was like an actor was in the puppet. It was crazy. I've never seen puppeteering like that. It's actually this is pretty funny because this is my first time watching this since Anomalisa came out, which is it's not a, it's not a puppeteer movie, but it's a stop motion movie with puppets. Mm-hmm. And I can it just made me laugh where I was like I can see where Charlie Kaufman kind of maybe was like oh this is this is cool like wow. I could do a whole movie with these guys expressing like this. Um, yeah, so we're seeing this puppeteering uh, done by John Cusack's character. We find out that it's our main character Craig performing this puppeteer dance. I remember even watching it this time. I always forgot. I'm like, is he a successful puppeteer? Because he looks uh, like he's crushing it. He's doing a mad good job. Yeah. We find out pretty soon that he's pretty much jobless, makes no money puppeteering at all, and uh, relies on his girlfriend Lottie, played by Cameron Diaz, right. to kind of like support them. Ooh, I have so many comments here. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to go slow because there's <laughs> there's so much. Every five seconds, you find this movie's so crazy it just unfolds, or you're like, oh, it's about this. Wait, what? <laughs> they got a monkey? They got what? Yo, I thought they were joking. <laughs> what? When, when I, I I wrote LOL, I thought she was joking about the chimp. Wait, what did she say again? <laughs> I don't know. I think she said something about I gotta feed the chimp. Yeah, yeah. And I thought like that's a weird way to call your baby. Yeah, and it's yeah. like oh, it's an actual <laughs> chimp. Yeah, it comes to them on the couch with the with the chimp. <laughs> Which no way you can have an apartment with that many animals in New York. Maybe in the 90s? Yeah, I, have, I, don't, I don't know. know. It seems like that apartment has to smell so like bad. hell all day. Like I can't. It, just can't. I had one cat and it made the whole like the whole half the apartment where the cat was smell <laughs> like cat crap. And I found it hilarious that they have so much going on. She has a chimp, some birds, a lizard apparently. And then she goes to Craig and is like, so what do you think about a baby? And I'm <laughs> and I'm sitting over here and I'm like, this is a lot to bring a baby into. Yeah, I don't know. They don't seem ready for a baby at all. <laughs> I also want to say to your not recognizing Cameron Diaz, it was pretty, it was definitely a distinct choice. This movie has no opening credits. Mm. It doesn't list any actors. Uh, I don't even remember if it says the title. Uh, I, I think it just starts cold. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, because yeah, huh. it, it would have said Cameron. I definitely doesn't list the actors till the end because it would have said Cameron Diaz and then he would have been like, oh, it's her. Right. But I guess we should just speak to the reason you didn't recognize her is because the makeup wardrobe, whatever, I don't know who worked magic on her, <laughs> but they turned one of the most gorgeous actresses of the 90s into the most plain looking, like, 
I don't want to say like nothing. I'm not trying to be mean, but like, like so plain, really. Like, I don't know. Like, what, what's your take on Dottie? Like the way she looks and for Cameron Diaz. Because uh, this was one year before Charlie's Angels, and that's that was nothing but sex appeal when they were selling that movie. Right. I thought. It's weird because I feel like she's usually, I mean, I know, she's usually sexualized. Yeah, almost in everything. So I thought that Lottie, before I fully knew that it was Cameron Diaz, just was very successful at having that innocent look to her. Like, she was still attractive, but just not that very overt sexual attractiveness yeah i agree that's why i didn't i didn't want to use the word like ugly like i just thought it plain right yeah no i think that's a great word she stood out you know you think of kevin diaz i mean her first one was the mask she's Uh uh-huh you know just basically sex appeal that whole movie the same year as this is there something about mary where the whole movie is predicated on ben stiller being madly in love with cameron diaz because of how beautiful she is yeah charlie's angels right after sex all day good morning you know, I signed that release waiver, so you can just feel free to stick things in my slot. But I really think that this is the first time I thought Cameron Diaz was a good actress. Wow. Like, <laughs> it's And it's not because of... because I, I, It's not that... It's because looks, you know, can really take over sometimes. You know, like, if someone's very attractive and they're acting, like, I'm not really looking for... A lot of acting skill. I think Hollywood knows this. They know that attractive people sell <laughs> movies, right? Yeah. But I feel like once they took that all away from her, I really bought her as Lottie. Yeah. And that was the first time I really bought her in anything. I'm just like, I, I just feel like maybe the movies I've seen her in are very basic. Yeah. All right, I'll give so it to I've you. never Ma- really seen her pull this. Maybe if I hadn't up. seen this so long ago, maybe I'd feel the same way. But this, yeah. I've, this has always been like, Oh yeah, this is the best Cameron Diaz yeah. movie. Like I only see movie. her in like rom com, so yeah. that's really why <laughs> I have this point of view. And Charlie's Angels, Karate Kicks. Uh-huh. You know that? No, nope. <laughs> not great, but it's like silly fun. I've seen parts. Yeah, they do Karate Kicks. Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu Karate Kicks as well, and Drew Barrymore. There she is. Ah, <laughs> you know all the favorites. <laughs> but yeah, that, those are my thoughts on her looks. Yeah. So we get a kind of glimpse into this. They're a married couple and their crazy relationship where she wants them to get a job, but also they kind of, I don't know, there's like a distance between these two people that I can't really put my finger on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you, what, how do you feel about it? Because she's clearly so preoccupied with these animals. Every five seconds, she's like, the, mon- the monkeys, or the monkey, the chimp <laughs> is, uh, you know, suffering PTSD from its past. Right. This thing's got a rash. Like, I got to come back and put ointment on the parrot. Like, what the fuck's going on? I just felt like she really wanted kids. Yeah. And those animals were her kids. Yeah. Kinda. She just wants to be occupied. Yeah, definitely. And the, the way she casually mentioned the kids thing, to me, indicated that they've talked about this a thousand times. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that wasn't the first time she's brought that up, because it was so just like, do you think you're ready now? Like, you know, so, yeah. clearly he's been avoiding this, and she's probably filling the hole with more animals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know why, but at the beginning, it just felt like, like you said, he's a very talented puppeteer from what we've seen at the top, so I thought it was really truly the economy is the reason why he's not working. <laughs> well, they also make it clear that he's an uncompromising artist, mm-hmm. where he's not... He's out. He's out on the street doing puppet shows where he could be making money from the public, but he's doing some mm. crazy story about a nun and a priest who have sex through a wall. You know, like he's not doing mainstream. Let's make some cash puppeteering. So right. I think part of that's too of his arrogance. He's like, I'm an artist. You know, like I don't. 
you know, I, I feel like if he got a job on like a Sesame Street, he'd be like, no, that's not that's not true puppeteering. I see. Well, you know, so I asked the economy, but also it seemed like he was a little too precious about his puppets. Mm. Well, yes, talented, but also can you sell that? That's the hard part about being an artist. True. <laughs> but he, he oh, what? Sorry. I wrote, I don't know if I'd stay with this dude. <laughs> hmm, I wonder what the movie's about. <laughs> <laughs> So he answers, he he takes her advice of getting a job and he answers an ad looking for a man with fast hands. <laughs> and, you know, you are, we already got the animals and things, but other than that, I would say the movie is still rooted 100% like in reality and grounded. Like they're weird people for having all these animals in their apartment, mm-hmm. but it's not in like fantastical movie yet. And then I remember even just reading that, I, I can't re- fully remember the first from the first time I saw it, which was, you know, I guess I didn't even go into that, did I? You didn't. So in all my excitement to even get going on this, I just realized I didn't even mention my experiences with this, but I'll keep it short because, uh, A, I don't even really remember that much. All I can say is Charlie Kaufman, uh, my first interaction with him was Eternal Sunshine. I fell in love with that movie, and then that's what made me look into who he was. And then I wanted to see pretty much anything he made that I can get my hands on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I knew the name Spike Jones yet, actually, I think. Watching this movie is how I learned who he was because I wouldn't have known music video directors, especially pre-internet. Like I was very young in the 90s. There was no way I would have known who directed music videos. Yeah. And this came out in 99. So I didn't see this probably until the mid 2000s when I was in high school. And I just remember like renting it because I knew it was a Charlie Kaufman flick and being like, this is amazing. And it also just heard it was good. I mean, you know, it got nominated for Oscars. You know, you generally hear about those movies. Right. So I don't think it was that uh, insane for me to just seek this out. Uh, but yeah, and, but I honestly, I don't watch it that much. It's another one of those where I loved it, and then I just kind of put it aside. I never bought mm. it on DVD. I've watched it, I think, one other time. This is probably my third time seeing it. So, so you, you weren't convincing friends to watch it in the basement? No, it, was, it wasn't <laughs> a basement convince. It was a little too heady for my friends. You know? So it was actually super fun to rewatch it this time because it was easily probably around a decade since I watched it. So a lot of it came was like kind of new to me because right. I remember only the big spots. Cool. Yeah. That's fun. So yeah, having said all that, I, so I can't remember exactly all my thoughts for every moment of this the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. So for this time watching it, I was kind of just looking for because I knew it was going to get fantastic and magical almost. So I thought that whole... You... Oh, because of knowing... No, I'm saying watching it this time because I, oh, knew, I, see, because I, see. I knew that I was looking out for like little clues of like when the movie kind of tips that off. And obviously this isn't magical, but I do think it's just very weird if you're looking for a filer to put in the newspaper looking for a man with fast hands you know that's already like are we in our world or are we in some kind of crazy world where we're gonna learn some new rules about how this all works so i like that and Mm -hmm. then that's when he finds out that his interview is in the building on the seven and a half floor Mm -hmm. so this is kind of where i want you to just let me know where your brain was where you were like oh it's this kind of movie like you know where were you at well first of all if anybody's out of this world it's that secretary who doesn't understand what anybody's saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was for she sure. of this world? <laughs> I don't know. I think that was just... I, I think some stuff is just because they're this, these guys come from comedy that they were just like, that would be a funny character to have. Oh, in this. So, okay. So I don't know if she's supposed to like mean anything. I could be wrong. But from my perspective, her character was just there. It was just, would be a funny idea if this one lady can't understand what anyone's saying, but then in turn convinces the guy that she works for that right. he has a speech impediment so that was to me like the payoff of that joke I <laughs> he's see. just he's they're like the only person he interacts with so <laughs> that's what that's what got me confused i wasn't in on the joke and went over my head uh, 
But even before we get there, we have a cameo by someone who was not famous yet at all. Uh, in the elevator, we see oh. Octavia Spencer. Oh, I thought she was going to be in way more. <laughs> oh, no. 1999, I don't know what she was in oh, yet. Man. Like, there was, I, I think that was just, like, if she never became famous, that would have just been, you know, That's it wasn't like crazy. we're hiring Octavia Spencer. I think she was just an actor who got to, like, come on, 1999? Like, it was the way before the help. You know, the help and hidden figure. Like, now she's a worldwide star. So, yeah, they have to, every day to get to work, they have to use a crow. They have to stop the elevator in between the floors and use a crowbar to open it and then duck in these crazy hallways. I don't know how you land on that idea, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's funny. And it also, it seems in line with what a lot of these 1999 movies were doing where critiquing kind of like the white collar office mundane mundanity of everything was mm. very popular you know between office space fight clubs about that and this kind of is, is the same where it's almost visually making it like it, usually it's uncomfortable place like mentally but they're like visually like like physically making it uncomfortable you actually yeah. have to crouch and never be com- comfortable really right the way. and so I, I love how everyone like nobody complains about it too you know yeah, exactly like, so that's what makes it more it. silly let me know if you agree with this because this is my first time seeing it since we watched this other movie but i felt so many similarities to sorry to bother you Mm. and i kind of feel like boots riley he had to he has to at least be a fan of this movie i, I don't know if i'll say he took like inspiration but like the whole magical realism of the whole thing the critique of corporate life and work i don't know i just i just had so much from this guy kind of getting hired in this new world and learning all these new rules of things yeah and, totally and just kind of the heightened reality of it all but then it being like almost very silly but then also with like a smart underlining message underneath. Absolutely. So I don't know. I was watching it this time. I was like, yo, I feel like you could switch out John Cusack for Lakeith Stanfield and get Boots Riley in here and we got we got ourselves a yeah. great. No but horses I, and I'm I'm in. Yeah. Oh, I love sorry to bother you. Are you doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good. How you doing? Fantastic. Fantastic. I hope you have a good day. Hope you have a better week. Mm, I hope your month is full of successful days and a lot of great ventures. I hope you just come up, brother. I hope your whole fucking year is spectacular. Oh, you hope my year is spectacular? Yeah. You got something you want to say to me? You got something you want to say? You smell great. You smell great. What is that? Burberry, what you got on? Mm, I forgot. Smells expensive. It's just deodorant. Okay. Yeah. Good. We good. smelling good. Some smelling, smelling good brothers yeah. out here. You, you are awesome, man, and I appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. Help you find yourself. Yeah. Too. We should go out. Get drinks. Don't get drinks. Yeah. Mm, how yeah. many drinks? Two, three, three, four, five, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All of them. On me. It's on me. No, it's on me it's now. On you? Yeah, it's on oh, me now. On you. Yeah, it's on yeah. me. You got yeah. All right. Yeah, it's on me. It's on you though. So yeah, then he gets this job at this crazy filing place. Oh, and I guess here's where we meet Maxine. So who's pretty much the other main player in this movie? And she's played by Catherine Keener. And uh, right away, John Cusack's basically just kind of like pathetically falls in love with her. Right. <laughs> like immediately. Talk about and, uh, love at first sight, I guess. And what do you, what'd you think of this character and all that? Well, I it, mean, we can get, we'll get into more as it goes on. But it like, took me a while to notice her character because they met during an orientation video screening. Yeah. 
and I was too distracted because William from Girlfriends was in the orientation video. (laughs) (laughs) And that's so crazy because I'm rewatching girl or rewatching. I'm watching Girlfriends on Netflix right now. Yeah, I never would have known who that guy was, (laughs) but because it's always on our TV, I just always see him getting into shenanigans with the girlfriends. (laughs) And so as soon as as soon as he came on the screen, I looked at you and you were furiously typing away (laughs) at your phone, like, don't forget that he's in this. Uh, but yeah, he's one, of, he's one of the two people in the orientation video. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. So I wasn't paying atten- too much attention to her in this scene. Uh-huh. But, but then they talk in the break room where you have to stand sideways. Right. And John <laughs> okay. Cusack does this really great job of talking in a weird way. Oh, my God. He's so off-putting. Ugh. Like, <laughs> So I was a little on her side. I wasn't really paying attention to her because he was creeping me out so much. He gets the short end of the stick this whole movie, but like, I never really feel bad for him. <laughs> like, He's always either asking for it or he's just being creepy. And you're mm. just like, hey, get at- go home. Like, what do you... <laughs> you know? So- Dang. <laughs> no just- sympathy. I really don't. No. But it-, it goes to how good he... She's like, even the way he looks, that fucking hair, like, it's just kind of like... It's, a, it's longer than I've ever seen Cusack's hair be, but yeah. it's mad just like stringy and like, just like it doesn't <laughs> look good. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, Maxine, we got the the great Captain Keener. This is definitely the first thing I've seen her in, and I think to this day I've never seen her in anything that came out before this. So I've never seen her younger than this oh, movie. Oh, I see. Okay. But she's fucking great and everything. That's cool. I don't know what I've seen her in, but she's was great what are you talking about she's the love interest in 40 year old virgin oh my god that's her the evil mom and get out oh wow she's the best who has face blindness now you damn (laughs) you didn't recognize Kathy here that whole movie no she's so young and skinny you thought this was this was two unknown like actresses no (laughs) i i knew she had to like she's too good to be only have that one yeah she she got nominated for this that's crazy now, sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Yeah, she apparently was uh, apprehensive about taking this as well because she read the script and she was like, I despise this character you're asking me to play. <laughs> like, I, every core of me thinks this is like such an evil person that I don't want to, I don't know if I could do this. That is so funny. And she's, she even expressed concerns where she was like, I don't know if I'm like right for this. Like, I, I know I can <laughs> act, but I, I just don't know if I can embody this. I think there's other actresses. And also, it was a little bit because one thing that I liked about this was I had to look it up because I didn't know how old she was, but she was 40 in this movie. What? And, I think like a less confident filmmaker would definitely cast a woman in her mid twenties to play the sex symbol the way like this character could have been very two dimensional and just been like the sexy coworker who who like stirs things up. Right. But they cast such a good actress like Catherine Keener, and even by putting someone who's forty, there was like a not a maturity to the role, but like almost like a sexual maturity to it, where it it, it made her very like dominant sexually, where it seemed like she she's been around the block, so to say, but not like a bad, you know what I mean? Just like absolutely the way her character is. So I think they they could have easily like you know if it was made today. I could see them throwing Margot Robbie in there. I'm not saying she's a great actress, but she's just like so young and beautiful. You know, I could see them going that route. Right. And Kathy Keene is very good looking in this, but I just think it, it was, like I said, a less confident filmmaker probably wouldn't have gotten an actress in her 40s to play this role. Right. And I, I think it wouldn't have been as successful of a role or as convincing. It would have made us not 
I know we weren't us we weren't rooting for John Cusack's character, but it would have made him seem more of a creep if this character was casted younger. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think the fact that she was older or I guess more mature yeah. made it more believable that she would be a woman who knows what she wants and could maneuver her way to get whatever yeah, she wants out of exactly. Craig. I'm also I guess I'm just thinking cynically, like from a studio standpoint, yeah. like we want to sell the I sex appeal. Right. So you know, they were probably like, why don't we make Cameron Diaz the sexy evil one? Because mm-hmm. she's so, you know, you just put her in a hot dress and boom, we're done. Right. But, uh, so yeah, so Captain Keener just, she didn't feel like that was her, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like probably, you know, maybe it was a little self-consciousness from, from the fact that she wasn't as young as someone who might be. But mm-hmm. anyway, they, I don't know who, whether it was Jones or Kaufman, but one of them was just like, I re- they really just kind of was like, we really think you'll crush this and pushed it. And she, she took the role. Uh, so that was pretty cool. That's, oh. That's nice. Um, and this movie takes a lot, similar to our podcast here, taking a long time to get through this beginning <laughs> part. This movie, about two hours long, but worse. What? This, this, all this setup takes a decent amount of time for a movie called Being John Malkovich, where we're almost like 40 minutes into the movie at this point, where we're meeting Maxine and his job and all that stuff. Right. So were you like, what's up with John Malkovich? Like, <laughs> like when you were watching this, did you, yeah. were you wondering like... Are we getting to any Malkovich? Yeah, here, I thought or? I thought at that point John Malkovich would be one of his puppets. Like he would pretend to be John. Oh, like like have a puppet Malkovich. Yeah, that would have been pretty funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's pretty you know it's pretty on the nose that this you know this movie's about becoming someone else and this guy's a puppeteer. But right. I, I, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so then that's when we find the magical tunnel that is hidden behind his desk in a wall. Mm. Would you crawl through that? Hell to the <laughs> no, that's what all I was thinking. <laughs> Jump ahead even a tiny bit. Just to the time where they're charging people to use it, I'm just like, even if I was like assured it was going to be fine, that seems like a death wish. Yeah. When he went out to check if anybody was looking, I thought he was going to go out to try and find a flashlight. Uh-huh. I didn't know he was going to just crawl in the darkness. <laughs> yeah, with, with a piece of wood. Yeah, what? <laughs> Insane. But it's like it's like wet, dark, and just like long. And you know, I just, just like, I don't know if I would just crawl in there blindly. I definitely would have called someone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's when he flies through. And then we get to get our first shot of Malkovich vision, mm-hmm. which I deemed it. <laughs> where we basically you go through this tunnel and then you get to be in John Malkovich's head and see the world through his eyes for about 15 minutes. You know, I like that everybody has their own interpretation of like what it feels like to be in it in the movie, like all the characters. Uh. So it's never given full concrete, but they definitely feel it's more to them. It's more than just seeing through his eyes. They're definitely there's some kind of feeling going on there. They're either feeling what he's feeling or right. sharing some kind of bond. But everyone seems to have some kind of experience when they go through this thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool. And then uh, after 15 minutes, it spits you out on the side of the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> <laughs> so random. Yeah, that's what I love about this movie. As like as like smart it is, it's dark as fuck, but it's also just real funny. You know, there's some real good lines, real good humor. Oh my god, uh, I was. Laughing. And they come out wet. It's yeah, just... yeah, yeah, it's gross. Ugh. It's gross. And uh, that's the crux right there. So he's freaked out about this. He's immediately intrigued by the philosophical and uh, I forget the words he uses, but he's just like, this answers so many questions. Do we have a soul? Or not answers. This asks so many questions. Like, do we have a soul? Is there an afterlife? You know, wh- yeah. where, where did, you know, I, I like when he says, I went in there with a piece of wood and now I came out and it's not here. Like, where's that? You know, like... <laughs> I think that Maxine's character actually tolerated a lot from Craig, honestly, <laughs> because the first inter- the first interaction fine, but the second one I would have been creeped out and like talked to HR. 
<laughs> uh, expand on that. I know, I'm going to remember, but what, what's the second interaction? I think it's when she, he finds this exciting portal and like blabs to her about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the second interaction. Was that before they went to the bar? No, it was probably after. No, he, he got her to go out with him by guessing her name. Oh, that was a weird way to guess a name. Yeah. I thought he was using the beginning of the sim like the beginning symbol to like read her face to see. I think that's what he was, was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what he was trying to do. And he, he gets to go out with her, but he just Well, <laughs> I love that scene. Like this movie always throws you for a loop where you think this will be it's gonna be like some kind of movie where eventually they kind of like romance and get together and they go through all that setup to get them out on the date and then they're on the date for not even like a minute and she's like what are you doing he's like i'm a puppeteer she's like check, check. please and then it just cuts and i was like yo this the time it took to get to the date was longer than the date oh like, my god this movie's throwing you left and right yeah it's that was crazy. great and so yeah he tells captain keener and then her immediate idea is to just basically monetize it and start charging people a ride to go through she does kind of believe it pretty quickly because she goes from not believing him at all and then she calls him and she's like, this Makovich guy, is he famous? Right. Uh, yo, I love the running joke about the jewel thief. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's, everybody thinks he's in this. Because I love... Because he's in Malkovich's head and he's, he hears the cab driver being like, you were in that movie where you played a jewel thief. And he's like, I never played a jewel thief. And he's like, nah, I think you did. And then when he comes out and he's trying to explain how crazy, he's like, no, this is John Malkovich. He's so famous. Like, what's he been in? He was like, ah, I mean, there's that jewel movie, for instance. And uh, like, you know, he doesn't, nobody knows why he's famous. That's another yeah. reason Malkovich is good because like a good choice. Because like I said, he was definitely famous, but he wasn't, he wasn't Tom Cruise. So uh-huh. it's kind of a funny joke for people to be on like, oh, we got to be John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. I don't know that she believed him as much as she believed that she had an opportunity to make money, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I believe that. Oh, cool. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought I was going to have to convince you a little bit more. <laughs> No, because, I mean, Maxine is always, she never seems that invested in anything. And even when she acts like she is, it all, only takes a little bit of the movie for her to completely do a 180 on her feelings. <laughs> yep. So I feel like she's always got kind of one foot out the door of everything. So Absolutely. with this, she was probably just like, oh, I can make some money. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that on Tuesdays or whatever. You know, like. Maxine, hashtag one foot out the door. Yeah. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah, she's the one foot out the door character. It honestly was so painful how naive craig was throughout this entire movie oh but mostly with maxine just the way that she just i don't know what it was you can't really blame her because to a certain extent it's his fault for being that way her character is legitimately kind of awful and shitty to like everybody but she's so unapologetic and never really gives you she never leads you on like she's so blunt about everything yes that that's where i it's almost a little bit refreshing where i I wouldn't want to be friends with this character i wouldn't even want this character in my life but she's not wishy-washy she's not like acting like she likes him to get something out of him she just always tells him like i find you kind of disgusting you know stop that like you know one of the first things she said to him she's like even if you got me you wouldn't know what to do with me like you know that's that's one of those emasculating things like a woman could say like i don't know you know and then he just still is like, I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. You know, he's really just like a dog begging for the bone this whole movie. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. I do love that she never let him on. Yeah. So. And it, yeah, so it's like as much as I don't like her, it's it's like I said, I think it's a little refreshing to watch a character like that where 
it's not that she's going out of her way to be a piece of shit and be mean to people. It's just she doesn't care mm-hmm. about like anybody or really anything. Right. And so it kind of just makes her kind of bad. But at the end of the day, she's not actively trying to like hurt you or right or like do something mean to you. It's just she's like, well, now I want to do this. And, and you know, there's aftermath and outcome to that. But it's never like fuck this guy. I'm gonna go <laughs> hurt him. You know. Right. It's more like, dude, stop hitting on me. You're gross. You know? Yeah. The one time or the first time in this movie where she seems to have an actual um, Ken is capable of having an emotional connection with anything or anyone is when Lottie comes into the picture, right? Yeah. So Lottie wants to find out about this Malkovich tube, which I also found it kind of refreshing too that Cusack's character told his wife right Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. I thought they were going to go the classic route of lying to his wife for half the movie and then she has to find out on her own. Same. But because he says like, I have to work late certain nights, but then he's like, well, I can't tell them about the the Malkovich tube, so I have to do it at night. So I was like, oh, she knows. And then she goes through it and literally it is like unlocks a key in her brain that she didn't even know was locked. Oh, man. (laughs) Coming out of Malkovich. I was like, whoa, we're tackling trans transsexuality here or... yeah i uh, at the time transsexual was the preferred term but i think we've changed it to transgender at this yeah. point but it was 1999 so yeah but the fact i never i had never seen a movie before this that tackled that without it being a punchline to a joke mm. there was jokes in a million comedies you know where there's like a hot girl and it turns out it was like it used to be a dude and everyone's like gross if the lieutenant is indeed a woman as she claims to be then my friend she is suffering from the worst case of hemorrhoids i have ever seen that's why roger Pedactor is dead he found captain winky so i'd seen that a thousand times in movies but this is the first time i saw it as like a legitimate storyline that wasn't mocking it or you know using it for any kind of butt of a joke it was just what she was going through you know what i mean and the movie doesn't it doesn't shift gears to make it about that, but it's what her character arc is about. Right. But I like, I don't, for me personally, I mean, we'll get to your thoughts at the end of how you think it pulled it off. But I think this movie always, whatever storyline or even issue it wants to kind of tackle, I think it does successfully without losing track of what the movie is actually about. Because mm. a lot of times I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I feel like in, in lesser hands, this movie could lose focus real quick. I think, you know, they they could go the we're hiding it from the wife yes. storyline. We're going for the we're we're charging for this thing and then now something happens with that, we get robbed. I don't know. There's a lot of generic ways that that it could have gone. So I, I think that it nails it every time. Like once it brings this up to me it doesn't feel forced and it also doesn't feel like now the story is just shifted and you're like, Now we're talking about that's all the movies about you know, so right. it, it keeps it like Lottie gets to have a full arc with the storyline mm-hmm. while at the same time still being uh, the initial questions the movie asked get followed through on as well. Right. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so what you just said actually made me think that it's almost like rather than writing a story, the screenwriter wrote different story arcs that all were connected. Like it, it's almost like the characters came first and then the story. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, no, like I, I agree, uh, and I have something like that for my wrap up at the end that I was th- that I, I kind of I, I do agree with you though. Okay. Uh, I'll expand on it a little later. Cool, um, but that what you just said just sparked that yeah, thought. That's cool, and then so yeah, I mean I don't like I said I, I wanted to always try to not just do a beat by beat on the plot, and I wanted to do it in the beginning just to get the ball rolling on Absolutely. the Malkovich and the characters. But from here, we just really kind of explore 
the relationship of these three people and what it means because <laughs> we kind of touched on the transgender thing where Lonnie, after being in Malkovich's body, I don't remember her exact dialogue, but she sees like she, it, it just feels right to her. She says like mm-hmm. she's like for the first time in my life, I feel like comfortable and. You know, she didn't realize she's always had some kind of void or maybe even felt uncomfortable in her body until she tried out, like, this man's skin. Mm-hmm. And then, granted, she does go through it very fast. Like, I, I do like, though, that she goes through it once and then she's, like, she tells her husband and then she's, like, I have to go do this again. And if I have that exact same feeling, then I know I'm not wrong. Right. You know? And so I thought that was really interesting. And at the same time, Maxine, who, you know, I call her one foot out the door, Maxine, <laughs> she's always looking for a, a new scheme or just something new, something new and exciting to kind of you know, quote unquote, get her rocks off on. Right. And so she decides to try and see if she can get into Malkovich's life a little bit, kind of date him, things like that. So she calls him on the phone, pretty much like a stalker and freaks him out at first. But at the same time, Lottie is inside Malkovich's head. So she's hearing this phone call. Right. And she's clearly been a little bit smitten with Maxine since she saw him. And A, she didn't know she liked women, but A, she also didn't know that she would she feels more comfortable as a man than a woman. Mm-hmm. So it's not I like that too that the movie never really calls it a lesbian relationship. It's it's like a heterosexual relationship just when one person's transgender. Mm-hmm. Which again in ninety nine, like like you know right. na- nowadays that conversation happens a lot more, so it wouldn't be as as like uh I don't know what the word is controversial yeah not really just out of the ordinary like that's a different word for that knowing remembering this now i'm actually very impressed that this was up for three oscar nominations yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so but the important thing that happens in this scene is with maxine asking john malkovich to go out malkovich like you can tell he wants to say no because she's like a stalker type. Right. But then we hear Lottie over and over again going, say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes. Right. And then he says yes. And then that's when we go like, holy, sh- did she make him say that? Or right. was he going to say that? You know, we don't really get an answer on that. Okay. And then that's when she decides, she she knows when the date is. So she's like, I have to be back in Malkovich's body at the exact time that right. they're together. And Maxine has sex with John Malkovich, but with Lottie in his mind. Right. And... It, what was cool too is you find this out in a few scenes later, but Maxine actually recognizes Lottie in John Malkovich. The next time she sees her, she goes like, "You were there, weren't you?" She's mm-hmm. like, "I could see you behind his eyes." And so this this is like an experience Maxine has never had either, as someone who's been with a lot of different men, who's been in very you know a lot mm-hmm. of situations and kind of lives life dangerously. She's never experienced this kind of rush or this emotion before either. Right. So now we got. Craig on an existential crisis trying to figure out what a soul is and make Maxine fall in love with them. We got Lottie who doesn't know what body she wants to be in, uh, you know, and their marriage is falling apart. And then we got Maxine who has, the way she puts it is, have you ever had two sets of eyes looking at you with the same amount of lust in, from in one body? Right. You know, and I was just like, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is crazy. That is so funny. I just thought that this was pretty insane. I just never would think this up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, so we're, we're not all Charlie Kaufman. Hashtag original. Uh, yeah, my note, I literally have a note here that says, this is not in capital letters what I thought this movie, movie was going to be at all. <laughs> One route that I thought this movie would possibly go, because it was so cringy, 
was when Craig basically confesses his love to Maxine. Yeah. And she shuts him down in like the most blunt, horrific way. Yeah. I thought he was going to murder her. Oh, you did? <laughs> I yeah, really yeah. did. Well, because I mean, he seems like a, someone who could snap. Yeah. I mean, and he does kind of snap. Because, yeah. Um, so right after that, he basically learns that the two of them have have gained a connection, Lottie and Maxine. Right. And he just gets super jealous and he wants, you know, feels... I mean, pathetic is the only word I could use for this guy, really. Oof. He's just always like, just... Ugh. So that's when he does snap because then he basically takes his wife hostage, Lottie, and ties her up and throws her in the monkey cage with the chimp. Mm. Can I just side note too? I meant to mention this earlier. Working with the chimp is... Ins- like, <sighs> there are some horror stories out there. Like, you know... It's not the chimp's fault because we shouldn't be making them perform anyway, but right. they can snap out of nowhere. Like, if you look, like, if you act wrong in front of a chimp, they'll fuck you up. Uh, uh, they're brutal. Like, they, they know how to, they basically go for our faces and our groins because oh they know god. that's our weakness. Oh my god. So they just, they, I would be petrified to be around one. I, I'm scared of most animals. I just think most animals are going to snap at any moment and start messing me up. <laughs> so I find it, I found it so crazy that there were so, not only so many scenes with them interacting with these chimps, like, you know, holding him, can't walking around, but then being tied in the cage with them. And I was like, I know there's trainers, but still like, they're not in the cage. If, yeah. if the chimp decides to do something. So I don't know. That always just scares I, me whenever I see I think chimp. you got in my head a little bit because I got scared for her being in the cage. Yeah. I thought that the chimp was gonna freak out being like so close to her for so long. Uh we'll get to that. we'll get to the chimp soon enough. The chimp <laughs> has a very important storyline. So yeah, he jumps in the Monkovich body so he can have a chance to basically have sex with Maxine Ugh. and trick her because she thinks it's gonna be Lottie. And then here is where we see, even though Maxine seems like she genuinely seems like she loves Lottie and is in love and like never felt something like this before. But the second she has anything that's even newer, which is the fact that Craig can start to make Malkovich move a little bit. Right. And he can talk through him, not a lot, but just a little bit. And that's such a new feeling to Maxine. And Maxine quickly learns that Lottie can't do that and Craig can. So she just dumps Lottie and wants Craig, but only in Malkovich's body. Right. To the point where he starts learning how to get past the 15-minute barrier and stay in there for a long-ass time. And this is where I started to feel so bad for Malkovich. Oh, poor Malkovich. What a violation. I mean, obviously, doing that for 15 minutes as an observer is, and I I felt a little bad then, Yeah. but just when it got here, that's where it got real. Yeah, because in the beginning, it's more almost... It's like a comment on how we look at celebrities where because he's a celebrity, people don't even think it's not okay to, to look through his eyes for 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, like oh, if they I were like, you want to look through my neighbor Janice's eyes 15 minutes, people would say yes. But there, I'm sure some people would be like, I don't know. That seems a little weird. Like, uh, I don't want to see what she's doing all the time. But if you're like, yo, I can show you what Tom Hanks is seeing right now. Right. Everybody would say yes. You know, like your morals are going right out the window because of the way we look at celebrities and don't treat them like people. Yeah. So I think that's another angle this movie goes for of just Malkovich is just treated almost like a prop for all this to go down with and yes he's a big part of the the movie but he never really factors into the story that much you know what I mean nobody takes him into consideration yeah like they've never they don't ask Craig asks all these philosophical questions about what this thing means but he never asks like what does it mean to Malkovich you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like what am I yeah what does it say about you to be going into his you know subconscious or whatever yeah um and then is this where Malkovich learns about like he 
he kind of figures out what's going on. He freaks out first and uh, spills to Charlie Sheen about it. Oh, yeah, because he... Uh, <laughs> yeah, because it was after Craig controls him. That's when he first feels like there's someone else not in him. And the whole time uh, Maxine's having sex with him, he always calls him Lottie. Right. Know, obviously, because that's Lottie's name. So at first he thinks it's just some kink that she has. But uh, it starts creeping out more and more, especially when he feels like he can't move. Right. And he actually comes to the conclusion pretty quickly because we, uh, we, we, I'm brushing over, but yeah, we have the cameo of Charlie Sheen as Malkovich's best friend, which is hilarious. Yeah. Also, just because I don't know if it was supposed to be a joke, but to me, those two guys seem like they would never hang out. So yes. I think, is that the joke where like Malkovich seems kind of like sophisticated and Charlie Sheen's like the party animal coke guy? It totally like, has to be. Because <laughs> even the way the, their language is written, like, Charlie Sheen takes none of it seriously, and he's like, what are you complaining about? This sounds so hot. Like, you know, he's like, you're banging through a dead person, you know? Oh. And he's like, let me get seconds, or whatever the hell he says. I had to, I laughed out loud when John Malkovich puts it together to follow Maxine to try and get, find some answers. Yeah. And once he discovers, you know, what's going on, that they've been making money off of him by letting people look into his life for 15 minutes, Maxine's reaction's like, eh. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Just... <laughs> she's so horrible. Like, she, no empathy yeah, at all. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't know her past, but I could tell, like, she's had guns pulled on her before. <laughs> like, she's just, like, she always looks a little worried, but she's like, oh, I got myself in it again. Like, how's to get out of this? <laughs> but yeah, so Malkovich learns about the tunnel, and that's when he goes through the tunnel. Oh. And I that's what that's one of the few times you did talk during the movie because I remember you were like, what happens to him? Like, I remember he's <laughs> before he went in. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then this is one of the most probably the most memorable scene of the movie like this is the one where you saw clips everywhere <laughs> Malkovich goes into the world of Malkovich and it's awesome Malkovich 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 Malkovich. What a weird Again, I think this is where having John Malkovich as the actor just makes it even ten times weirder. Yeah. S seeing that many Malkovich. Oh, it's crazy. Malkovich <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> oh, I know. It's fucking bananas. And, uh, and, uh, you get all these different... You get lounge singer Malkovich, baby Malkovich. Yeah. Little person Malkovich. <laughs> I would enjoy a interview of hearing Malkovich talk about filming that scene. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't believe you... you don't have this DVD. I know I should. They even have the criterion. That's like a good DVD. Yeah. yeah Fuck that. <laughs> so yeah, after he confronts Craig about what he's doing, he freaks out, so he's taking him to court and all this. That's pretty much when they decide that they're gonna take over Malkovich indefinitely, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I thought, good luck in court. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then this is actually the scene when he, after him and Catherine Keener, after they're done having sex, when he shows her his puppeteer performance, like through Malkovich. Uh. And it's the same performance we saw in the beginning of the movie. Yes. That's one of the first times where Maxine actually 
is like impressed or like likes Craig as right. Craig. You know, obviously he doesn't look like himself, so not fully. But even like she's usually disgusted with him physically and by his personality. Like yes. she usually likes nothing about him, and that's <laughs> the first time she's actually like impressed by his art as an artist. You know what yeah. I mean? So that was an interesting scene. Um, and then we, he decides that he's going to use Malkovich's puppeteering, or he's going to use Malkovich's clout to become. The world's greatest puppeteer. Right. And then it works, basically. You oh know, is that God. when we jump ahead one year later? Yeah, basically. I yeah. think it was like eight months. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And then at this point, like, this is also where I'm asking questions. I'm like, where is, is Malkovich's subconscious? Right. Like, is he seeing this as well? Or is he just like somewhere else? You know? It's, it's During a, that eight months? Yeah, like, is he. You know how usually they're looking through his eyes? Is he yeah, looking I through his own eyes? He's looking through his own eyes, but he's just not in control. Damn, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> <movie> was crazy. <laughs> it reminded me of Get Out, actually. Yeah, he was. He got. He's. He was in. Yeah, he was in Get Out before Get Out. Yeah. <gasps> does All right. does what's his name love this movie? All right, I was saving this for later. Oh, uh, I was gonna do it and be on the credits. But I'm sorry, you, you I got there oh. first. So I never read this until today, but apparently there's a lot of fan theories on the internet that Catherine Keener's playing Maxine in Get Out, <gasps> and that after this movie she learns the the powers of trapping people in the mind, like like she ends up like exploring all of this and has that family, and then ends up with that whole experiment because she learns how to put your subconscious in the back of your head, just like Malkovich. And, oh my god! Uh, it's gone as far as people have asked and Peel about it, and he's he said like I genuinely didn't think that when i was writing it or casting your cat yeah he's like he's like this is, it's a complete coincidence <laughs> but it kind of works and apparently like him and spike jones have like had dinner and like just discussed it and just been like yo it kind of like was perfect like like yo she, that's a coincidence y- yeah yeah like you know her she has a different I'm name that obviously she didn't call it up. her name's not maxine but yeah like she she learns the power of the malcolm her name doesn't have to be maxine she could have changed her oh, name oh yeah she's she's Yo, I can't yeah. believe that. That my jaw was open the whole time that, Andy was talking just now. That was gonna be my beyond the credits. So I was Damn, gonna say she turns so, out to be the Now I'm mad at myself that I went there. <laughs> I heard myself like getting you there by being like, <laughs> is he gonna be trapped there watching? And I was like, I'm getting too close to get out. And then you were like, This sounds like get out. <laughs> Damn it. Oh my bad. That's oh, all good. Give me a crumb, I'll find the cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to the very the, to the spoiler spot, uh, the other thing I just love about this movie is all three of these characters. There are times where you're on their team, and then there are times where you they lose you, or at least for me, mm-hmm. where there's sometimes where I'm like, I know I said earlier I'm never sympathetic to John Cusack, but I was a little, I was being a little uh, facetious. Like <laughs> I am a little bit. Like sometimes I'm like, I want this guy to get a win, right? And then there are other times where I'm like, oh, he's fucking. He's a terrible person. Like he's he's tying up his wife and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and then there are other times where I'm like, I hate Maxine, and then I'm like, oh, I kind of see where she's coming from. I get why she's reacting that way. And same thing with Lottie. Yeah. So I love that none of these characters are like, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy. They all are going through this journey where they're like, they're doing good things and they're doing bad things. I I agree with you, except for Lottie. I there was I never really had that moment with her where I was like, come on. Uh. But we could talk yes, about it. Yeah, yes, but also, I don't know. I think if you're, it was, it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person, but they were, their marriage was clearly bad, but the quickness that she was willing to like disregard, she seems to have no regard for her husband's feel. Like the minute she was just like, oh, I had this experience, I'm in love with this other person, fuck you, like, 
That's kind of cold-blooded. Well, I think that he could have considered her what she said a little bit more. I think that's why she sort of turned a cold shoulder. Yeah. Because she tried to like open up to him about it. And then he was just not having it. Mm -hmm. He didn't care. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, and also before we get in the spoiler section, we have the most important arc of the movie, which is Elijah the Chimp. Because (laughs) while Lottie is locked up in the cage with Elijah. So for me watching it, I thought... I didn't. I didn't think she was lying that he had a past. Because the whole movie, she's like, he's he's overcoming some anxiety from a past trauma, and like, I just thought she was being like an overprotective, like animal mom, or like maybe he just like someone yelled at the chimp. Yeah. But then we get this flashback to find the chimp's past trauma, and it's his parents were tied up by hunters, and he had a brief second to untie them, but he couldn't do it in time, and they all got captured. I cannot believe. <laughs> and so as he's doing that, he's looking at her. The fact that she's tied up, so then he goes. He gets the strength to untie her. It's the best. When you tell me they have comedy roots, I believe <laughs> in this moment. I just love like we're so far into the movie when it takes this detour. You're like, yo, are we getting to the end here? Like, what are we doing? I don't have any words. Yeah. <laughs> so the movie does provide some answers on the tunnel, but I think that's going to be in our spoiler section, which I'm pretty much ready to go to unless you had anything else you wanted to touch on. I mean... We talked about the monkey, so let's go. So after Maxine and Craig slash Malkovich run off together to be the world's famous puppeteer, that's when a heartbroken Lottie decides to go and find Max's boss who owns the building that he works at. Right. And we didn't talk about this earlier, but they go to dinner at his house at one point. At his mansion. At his mansion. And Lottie goes into this one random room and sees all these Malkovich photos everywhere. And we have no idea what that means, but it's just something we notice. So having remembered that, that's she goes to him to really just, she's got nowhere. She wants some answers and she's got nowhere else to go. You right. know, like the love of her life just left after her husband stole her. She can't be Malkovich. She can't be a man. She can't, you know, nothing she wants. Mm-hmm. And and I like how smart she plays this too, where I feel like as a, as a character, she could have ran in there and being like, I know about your Malkovich tunnel. Tell me everything. Right. But I feel like she plays it so smart to get the answers where he knows that this man already likes her. So she plays very naive and lets him feel like she needs help. And that he can help her by telling her about the Malkovich tunnel. So she kind of coerces him to tell to give him all the answers, you know? Clever. Where clever she, she she says things like, Sometimes I just wish I could just be somebody else, you know? And then like that prompts him to be like, I can help this lady. Mm. And then this is like the big exposition scene where we find out all about this tunnel and even the seven and a half floor because when they watch that orientation video they say they built that floor so little people could have a place to work right but then someone tells them like you know that oh maxine says like you know this is all bullshit and so we don't really know why that floor is so weird uh-huh. and then you know it's not it's not said flat out but i always just thought he made it on that weird floor to keep that thing that tunnel concealed because mm. nobody would want to go to a seven and a half foot floor you know mm. interesting that's kind of my take on it but yeah we find out that this guy is basically immortal he was born in the 1800s and he found this tunnel that when he went down it, it put him in the subconscious of somebody random. Right. And he eventually learned, we don't get a backstory of how he learned all this, and I don't even really need it. No. But he gets all these fine details, presumably from 200 years of doing this. But when some when, when the vessel, quote unquote, turns 44, he can jump into it and then he will permanently take over that body, basically allowing him to body swap and remain young for the rest of his life. And presumably just killing the person he jumps into. You know what I mean? Right. 
So this one just happens to be John Malkovich. The fact that it's an actor and someone famous is just coincidence. Right. Which is pretty funny, too, because you might, you, you might think, like, there's some kind of significance to why it's this specific person. And it's just, right. like, yeah, random. There's also, like, some other weird little time rules he talks about where if you miss... If you if you go after midnight after they turn forty four, then you're trapped in it forever. Mm-hmm. So before forty four, you can kind of go in for fifteen minutes, and then you got to go right on the dot when he turns. Otherwise, you miss your chance, and then if you ever time travel it, or time loop into them, right, you're trapped forever. So he's got this whole grand plan. Since he's done it so many times, he learned how to take people with him for the first time, which I also thought was interesting. It's kind of like that whole idea of um, I guess shared consciousness, but uh-huh. there's, there's a smarter term for it. Combined consciousness, maybe. Where at first I thought maybe he had like a whole army of vessels that he was going to give everyone their own body. But then I thought it was interesting when he's like, we're all going to be Malkovich together. Like, you know, it was very, it's some heady shit. I didn't necessarily, I didn't really understand that. Because how do they all have their own physical body? They don't. How was she able to see all of them? Wait, what are you talking about? How was Lottie able to see all of these souls? No, those are all them. normal people. Oh, these are all people that he met in this. Like, yeah, in they, this they all body? are like Lottie, where he met them, liked them, thought they had a sympathetic story, and decided to share Jesus, his secret with this them. Guy's no, this guy knows how to make friends. That's kind of why it's like Get Out, because it's like a whole cult of people who are into this like body swapping. Oh my god! Except this one's a little bit more like a subconscious thing because you know they're all entering the body together as like one entity. So you know, because they were all so old, like him. Yeah, I thought that. They had been doing this with no, him no, no, no. He he's always done it alone his whole life, and then he said this time it's different because I learned how to take people with me. Uh, and then he's like, and I've been slowly getting a group of people who I wanted who I want to do this with. Like, I see, you know, and because he always he, he liked Lottie from the minute he met her, and uh, thought she was a great person, and once he found out that she needed this help, that's when he decided to let her into the club, basically. Interesting. Yeah. Give him some age diversity in there. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just crazy because honestly for me with movies like this i didn't even think they would give us an explanation i just kind of thought the tunnel was only gonna just be something crazy that they came across and because the movie's about the the relationships between these three people it's not really about the magic so sometimes i just thought it would go on a, you know like sometimes just weird shit happens in a movie and you don't really you know watch night of the living dead don't tell you why the zombies come there's just zombies right and now it's a movie about how these people deal with that problem so i i didn't really expect a full-on exposition scene but i actually do like it and i think it kind of makes sense yeah for me this was a plot twist because i had looked at this man has as sort of like like a little innocent old man yeah with weird sexual desires um you know yeah because he he wanted a he was really he was like in love with his secretary but and he, he keeps talking about how he wishes he was a younger man so he could do virile things to her or whatever yeah. his words were. <laughs> whatever he's human but at this point once this was all explained he to me became a villain oh yeah which was a very creepy experience to have but what's funny is like that's what it gets me with this movie because at this point, Craig has been Malkovich for so long that I look at them as a villain because they're the ones who stole Malkovich's life. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes kind of them versus this group. Yeah. But in reality, it's basically like two villains. Like no matter what, the innocent person is getting screwed in this situation. Absolutely. And that's this movie is so like hauntingly tragic in its last moments when you really think about the fate of so many people in it that uh, it just it's brutal. So yeah, we flash ahead in more time. 
now we see Malkovich fully f- the most famous puppeteer of all time. He's grown his hair just like Craig, which was hilarious seeing Malkovich in that shitty Craig hair. So this I felt like was commentary on it's not about it's not about the person. It's really about It's not about the body. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's you about- are you. <laughs> yeah, because eventually Maxine starts looking at him like Craig again. Yep. She's no longer infatuated with him. She's not she's not filled with lust. She's not like you know, like like you can tell in the early scenes when he's Malkovich, like she's she feels her version of love, which is fleeting and not going to last, but it's it's there. Right. Like, she's not pretending to have those emotions. And then uh, she just starts to get annoyed with him, just like the old Craig. You Why know? did he wear his hair like that? Oh, it's so bad. You, you were completely fine. Yeah. And just even the way he... It's really in the way you carry yourself. Yeah. And I just... And, you know, crazy. she uses... This is like a power couple thing where she kind of gets famous alongside with him yeah and becomes his manager yeah so it seems like she gets sick of him as a person but because of all the perks that come with the malkovich body she stays with them longer than she probably would have i love this documentary that they put yeah it's pretty great those documentaries are formulaic and they just nailed it because i was like oh yeah it was like an e like like we're checking in type thing yeah yeah yeah, with the B-roll and then like red carpet footage. And right. And then the twist. Like it, she's not as in as involved in his life as we think. Yeah, <laughs> just, exactly. God damn it. Works every time. Uh, poor Malkovich, man. He was just gone. But I was surprised to see Maxine pregnant. That I wasn't expecting. Yeah. <laughs> because my first thought before you find out that Lottie was in the body when she became pregnant, when they had sex. Yeah. Before that... I was surprised, and I was thinking, no way she let Craig touch her and impregnate her. Yeah, so but, it, but as Malkovich. I know, but I was still like, no way. But they had sex a million times. <laughs> I know, but I just feel like she's the kind of person who wouldn't let that happen. Like, she would take <laughs> plan B. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true. Uh, so it totally funny. makes sense, I think, Yeah. Know, what, um, how that came at, came to be. So with the time jump, we're close to the 44th birthday of the Malkovich body. And that's when the cultists get up their plan to kidnap Maxine in order to get Craig to get out of the body. The chase happens, but I forgot what Yeah, so Lottie sort of is, she's supposed to be invested in the plan with this cult, right? But instead, she kind of gets triggered by seeing Maxine again. Yeah, she wants to get some revenge. Exactly. So... I was wondering throughout this movie, what happens when more than one person goes in the portal? And this is where it got answered a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah they, re- they chase through the portal. Talk about tr- another tragic compilation of scenes here. Yeah. Yo, what a tough childhood this kid had. Yeah, we just get a, a, a whole look into the subconscious of Malkovich. And I love the way it's filmed. The way that they crawl through all these like tunnels and then the the whole angle of the camera shot changes so first they're going in through like the top of the frame but then it turns sideways and now they're on the left of the frame you know that was insane yeah i thought it was really inventive and like i was like that's the spike jones from the music videos that i know Mm. you know but yeah i love this whole sequence with the chase through and i didn't even realize this either but to go back to me saying maxine was always has one foot out the door Mm -hmm. what's crazy is that i never realized this until i was reading so one of the imdb trivias is that she's so uninvested in this that she never goes through the portal to even try it <laughs> that's her first time going through is when she gets chased through it yeah you would like that's how much she doesn't give a shit about this like this is like some magic never before seen new scientific discovery and she's like i don't even want to 
I don't want to experience it. I'm calling it now Maxine's and Aries. Yeah. I know that means nothing to you, but someone will know what I'm talking <laughs> She's totally an Aries. Even I love how she's constantly taking phone calls with characters who we don't know who they are. Also, just showing that like when she's not on camera with us, she's probably having adventures <laughs> somewhere else. Yep. She's probably got two other movies going on that she just leaves and then comes and joins our movie. Because she's, she's always calling someone and like telling him about Craig and like whatever the hell's going on, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, she's always got something going on. Yeah. <laughs> she's oh not invested God. in any of this. The worst. So yeah, they they run through everything. And then that's when they get spit out on the New Jersey turnpike again? Yep. Oh, and while that's happening, that's when... Craig as Malkovich is freaking out because he doesn't know where Maxine is. He just knows she's kidnapped. Right. And then he decides that he's going to turn himself in to save Maxine because he's in love with her, even though she's not in love with him at all. Yeah. So he jumps out, even though he didn't need to, because <laughs> she was safe the whole time. Yeah. And they're all on the New Jersey Turnpike. And that's when they basically just tell Craig to go fuck himself. And they, they realize that they're in love with each other. Mm-hmm. And that it doesn't need to be the Malkovich body to, to keep them together. Right. And they hop in the, the, ca- the cab and get out, <laughs> get out the way. And then the, that basically leaves Malkovich open for the, the crew to take, to use Malkovich and like do whatever i don't know it's the same level of uncomfortness that i feel watching a rape scene yeah they're they're violating his brain yeah because you know he has this brief moment of freedom that's the war it's the most heartbreaking moment and then it's just all this and it just was very painful yeah at that point it's been over a year right or longer it's been eight months. Yeah, it's been it's been yeah it's been just around a uh, a year, and Craig's been controlling him every day. Craig leaves his body, yeah, and then he has what seems like what seven seconds, not even, yeah, of just his own consciousness back, and he yells like "I'm free," and then they immediately right. take him over. I'm not saying like it's equivalent to it at all. No, I'm no, just I know what you like, mean. Yeah, it's... it's just like the violate the level of violation and no, just. Yeah. And he's never going to be in control again. No, like, that's yeah. the end of it. Yep. He's basically, he's essentially dead. <sighs> yeah. So that's, that's what I meant by like this, as funny and weird and quirky as the movie is, the ending is so dark. Mm-hmm. So it's not only does Malkovich have a terrible, terrible fate. We then cut, what is it? Seven years later? Yeah. Seven years later, Maxine and um, Lottie are still together. So it's the first time Maxine's actually stuck with any decision she's ever made. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, they're raising their daughter together. And it seems like, oh, at least these people have a happy ending. Then we cut to the daughter and we hear that, what's his name? Cusack tried to go back into Malkovich. They don't say this outright, but he's stuck in his daughter because he tried to go into Malkovich after midnight on the 44th birthday because he didn't know the rule. Now he's stuck in the next vessel who happens to be their child. Okay. For the rest of his life. Did you not understand that? During the explanation of this whole process and how it works. Yeah. I maybe I'm making this up, but through the explanation, I thought that they were saying the descendant, like there it's not a random person, this vessel. It's a descendant, right? Oh, is that what they said? Maybe I, I thought that's that. what they said. So that's why I thought it made sense that their daughter was the next vessel. Oh, yeah. Maybe. maybe, that, maybe. To be honest, okay. I, I might have just missed that. Okay. Um, so probably. And it would, that would totally make sense. Yeah. Um, but either way, even if it's random, it's still fucking crazy. Right. But yeah, so now Craig is trapped in there for the rest of eternity to watch. I mean, <laughs> I hate this term because a lot of fucking assholes on the internet use it. But like, you know, people call people a cuck. Like this motherfucker is a cuck like for the rest of his life now. What does that mean? god damn it why did i bring this up oh sorry (laughs) it's a term it's like a a weird sexual term for people who like to watch their wives get fucked by other men 
or something uh, like it's like it's like this weird it's not always a kink like it's also you a lot of people a, a lot of people on the right use it to to insult people on the left and call them cucks because they're like not men you know like oh like you know like you you can't even satisfy a woman other people are fucking your girl oh, like you're a cuck you know okay it's a it's a stupid you know it's 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 uh, dumb and childish interesting and, uh, but yeah there's like a subsection of like fetishism and kink of people who like it's called cuckolding is the full term okay and yeah so like that's you know like there's like porn about it you know it's like where someone's wife is getting banged by a more manly person than you it's like you know i'm being very broad because because it's a thing that's on like porno sites it is like a kink. Oh. it is a kink and a fetish for some people who like okay. who enjoy it like you know it's the same way there's you know bdsm and things like that right. like so there, there's a subsect of people who enjoy it but in this case if you don't enjoy it it's like an insult and for him it's like he doesn't want this but that's what he is now and like, he can't control it yeah so he's basically just stuck watching the woman he's obsessed with constantly in love and right. you know it's it, not just the having sex part but like he's just gotcha. always on the outside seeing what he can't have yeah and was it... i probably shouldn't even use the term but that's, that's <laughs> just what sorry. i was like i was like oh yeah I that's mean, that's the exact definition of what it is like i learned something new yeah <laughs> is the ending meant to be scary uh, i think it's just supposed to be sad and tragic oh because i've thought that it left you i thought it was a cliffhanger oh really because the movie basically ends with him saying, look away, yeah. look away, look away. But I feel like it it left off to me like maybe one day he'll he gain came. control exactly. and like he'll do something bad. Hey, that might be that very so well. So that's might why be. to me the ending was very scary. Oh, interesting. That's <laughs> cool. I never watched it that way because to me he's always just been such a sad, pathetic character that like I'm yeah. just like, man, this is just his life now. Well, because that's the same way he got John to move his hand onto Maxine's yeah, breast. Yeah, that is true. With the same. Hey, yeah, that totally. It could be read that way. Being so. John Malkovich too, where he's a serial killer in I a little girl's body. Know. It's freaking scary. Let's do it. So, how did you? So essentially, you just got me to watch a horror movie after uh, October. Not true at all. <laughs> not true at all. All right. Should we just uh, hop into best worst here? Let's do it. My first one is best worst puppet show. Ooh. All right, worst, I got to go with the, the nun and the priest having sex. That was my worst. I didn't enjoy that at all. I don't know what the hell point he was you trying to You were laughing, prove. though. Yeah, because oh, was, I was laughing at the fact that he was doing it in front of this little girl oh, yeah, and like yeah. that he doesn't see the social like faux pas he's pulling on here. <laughs> um, that's the worst. And then best, I mean, I was more impressed with the puppet show than, when, than Malkovich doing it. So I think the, the actual puppet show that opened the movie is my best. All right, so you just looked over my notes before we did this. Then. I mean, you picked something that had two options. It was either, no, it had three. What was the other one? The the ballet, the benefit. Oh that yeah, huge puppet. Oh yeah, yeah, that was all right. The opening just was very captivating. The backflips were insane. I was like, how do you do that without getting the strings caught in each other? Right, and I think just the flow, like how smooth this puppet is able to move and mimic human. Yeah. Uh, movement is just so fascinating and whoever did the puppeteering is just yeah i mean great you you deserve an award an oscar <laughs> yeah mr puppetman no they should make a category for you <laughs> i i did best worst malkovich ah! <laughs> that was your other one <laughs> nice that was my only really good one my other one's kind of bland <laughs> 
But I feel like we said it already, but I feel like we both have the same best. Epic lunch, Singer Malkovich. Oh, <laughs> that's when I made that epic pause. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> but yes, uh, lounge Singer Malkovich yeah. is the best. The wink and everything and like the dress was hilarious, but also just the way the, the Malkovich, <laughs> Malkovich, like singing it instead of saying it. <laughs> Everyone else was saying it. Yeah. And then worst only because it's like a spawn of nightmares is the Malkovich baby. Oh. You can't you can't have a Malkovich baby. That's that's Just a... that's something Satan made. Oh, you can't man. have that in, in, in life. I love a an adult head on a baby oh, body. That's creepy. <laughs> Who was your worst Malkovich? The date Malkovich. Like his date oh, at yeah. the table. Yeah, yeah. She was there for the money, you know, like she uh, wasn't invested in the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> All she said was Malkovich, but I I got it. I read between the lines. <laughs> so that's my worst. Nice. Uh, then I pulled just a good old classic best worst character. You got any? I mean, worse is oof, actually. Yeah, worse is hard. <laughs> I'm going to say Lottie is going to be my best character. All right. I just think that she never had vengeful intentions. Yeah. And I feel like she was always true to her feelings and just wanted to be treated right at the end of the day and wanted to care for someone and have someone care for her. Mm-hmm. I I felt most empathetic towards her throughout the entire movie. All right. I, I, yeah, that's a great one. I can say my words yeah, too if it. you want. Initially, I wanted to say Maxine because she's just cold-blooded. Uh-huh. But I really do think I'm going to have to say the cult and just put them as one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. I think that's kind of my worst, too. Yeah. Or actually, I'm just going to I'm gonna go with the head guy because mm. he's been doing it longer that he knows he should know better. That's true. And the way he presents himself as such a kindly old man when he's like such an evil diabolical. He's, like he's like a super villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's my worst. And the whole concept of, you know, stepping into someone and taking control, it just really reminded me of, you know, like, it, to put it in simple terms, you you know, like that classic scene of like a black church and someone being taken over by the yeah, Holy yeah, Spirit, exactly. like that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And that just like made it that more scary. It's just like the idea that when you turn 44, you know, this pe- a person or these people can take over yeah. and you're just not and they've also been like watching and tracking you your whole life yeah and then you're just not you anymore but like nobody around you knows this yeah and it's like why are you acting differently like your personality's gonna change yeah. it's just i don't know this whole thing was a horror movie to me yeah like charlie <laughs> sheen didn't even notice it you know like they were still best friends you know right and but i think that they were able to get away with it with John Malkovich because I feel like actors are reserved and like yeah you never really like unless you're like close to them I feel like you know you never yeah, you really know, know what they're really like exactly interesting All but right. who's your best oh Elijah <laughs> the chimp come on you had the greatest art. gosh yeah. that's hilarious yeah you got it you got it Elijah was number one that is so funny so cute <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of cute I I'm really just saying best quote to have a, to say this quote but if somebody was like Say one quote from the movie that you weren't expecting to hear. Uh-huh. My wife is in a cage with a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Um, I love the quote just for like, because like what it means of like the, 
of writing like a an, an empowered transgender person of when Cameron Diaz honestly just says "suck my dick" to uh, to Craig, you know. And I was like, yeah, that that's nice. actually like that's not just an insult. Like that's like a, a character development moment right there. For so sure. I thought that was pretty great. I like it. Yeah, I don't know if I have a worse quote. I think yeah. maybe Malkovich. <laughs> worse quote. Maybe Malkovich. Oh man. All right, beyond the credits. All right. So what if? Catherine Keener and yeah. Get Out. You stole this already. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it still blows my mind. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing to offer other than that. Yeah, no, I, I really think that's a fun way to look at it, and it also, if you hate Maxine, it's a good way to f- see her get her come up bits at the very end. You know mm. what I mean? If you hate Maxine, you get to watch her story through and to Get Out, and then watch her get killed by uh, right. Uh, what the hell's his name? Chris. Uh huh. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah. I love. I would never even put that together. I think the closest we got to making a crazy theory like that was on our Better Luck Tomorrow episode. Oh, the Hans Theories stuff. with Han. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was pretty great. <laughs> um, but I feel like you already made it beyond the credits too by making it a slasher movie. Oh. It's like Chucky <laughs> except this little girl is John Cusack. I'm uh, fucking into it. I'm into it. Those greenlit three of them. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's really a horror movie to me. Um and I would also say, too, I just see Craig's character really trying to convince the world that he is this magnificent mastermind behind, you know, John Malkovich. Yeah. And just, he just always finds a way to get himself punched in the face. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So he's just getting punched in the face left and right, trying to convince people that he's, a, you know, the brilliant mind between all this puppeteering. Yeah, yeah. But uh, do you think that Maxine and uh, Lottie last? I kind of think they do. Mm. I do kind of think that as much as we were saying Maxine's like the one foot out the door and doesn't really commit to her feelings, I do think everything they go through on this, she actually does come out somewhat changed. Mm. And I think that they do stay together. Or at least Mm. I like to think they do. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they lasted that long, like what, she's like seven years old or something? yeah was impressed me mm-hmm. <laughs> so they look pretty happy so i can i can see that i i mean we're not going to go into details here but i could see them still having like a little issues here and there oh for but, sure yeah but with all the fun stuff we were talking about with linking it to get out and the slasher sequel in the real answer is i don't think this movie needs a sequel i think it just this movie works on its own when the movie's over it's over mm. i think just expanding on my horror route i do think that you know that could possibly be him eventually taking over, but coming in and out, um, yeah. and to sort of get revenge on these ladies. Uh, yeah, like I think that's a fun idea, but you know, with a movie like this, you're it's not just about the surface I level know. stuff. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you'd have to find other themes to cover and and reasons for these characters to go through another journey. Oh yeah, I'm I'm just planting the seed for Kaufman. He could take the rest. <laughs> He can yeah. he can add the layers. You're listening, Kaufman. <laughs> Get your ears checked. Uh, uh, I love a Kaufman. <laughs> All right. So before I answer the titular question, Masha, the, there was a couple reasons why I thought maybe you might end up loving this movie before I ask you the, the before I ask you. Um, I'm interested to hear what you got to say. Um, one, I thought you would enjoy the humor of the movie. I didn't know how much you would think that it would be funny, but it has some genuinely like well-crafted comedic jokes in it i already knew that i had success showing eternal sunshine of the spotless mind so i know that you were down to get on board with these kind of heady explorations of relationships as opposed to you know 
something a little more straightforward. Like some people that you know, you could show a movie like this and they just turned off and they're like, ah, it was, it was still, everybody was weird in that movie, you know. <laughs> but I knew that you know you were you were down to grass something like that. I didn't know you weren't going to recognize Catherine Keener, but I knew you liked her from Forty Year Old Version and Get Out. So yeah. I was like, all right, I'll give her some actors she likes. I, I assume maybe you liked Catherine Diaz, but I didn't know for sure. But all in all, I kind of just to me this movie is so good, I would find it kind of hard to pick it apart. I could get it not being your cup of tea, but I can't really look at this and see a lot that that could be like that's bad movie making or that's bad writing or that's a bad performance. I kind of think this movie kind of just knocks it out of the park and all of that stuff and really gives you a lot of concepts to chew on that are worth revisiting. And it's not it's not just like a nice little straightforward movie. You kind of you kind of gonna watch it and you come back again. You watch it with a different lens. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just uh, it's a good movie to check you to watch. Interesting. Yeah. So having said all that, Masha, I need to know: Do you love what I love? I love it. You bring up some interesting points. I think that when it comes to the humor, I think that this film was a little dark for me to accept the humor as much as I... I, I think I would appreciate it more in a second watch. Okay. Um, just because this movie was so crazy. Like, I didn't know what to expect coming in that I think the humor... I would appreciate it a second time around. Okay. I did like the actresses, um, I or I did love the acting in this movie overall. And I think that this movie hit me in a way that I you probably weren't expecting, that it, it ended up scaring me <laughs> more uh-huh. than I think it was intended to. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> and I And that's why I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't see myself watching this in the next year because i do need a break from it there was just so many layers and so many i think it tackles so many ideas but like it tackles so many that i can't not love this movie i just i'm so upset (laughs) you pulled a good fake out that time (laughs) i know we sometimes we try the fake out that was a good one (laughs) i'm i'm actually a little uh, upset because I feel like you're beating me. <laughs> it's not a verse. <laughs> it's always a verse. <laughs> it's a verse a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't believe this is a movie. I just um there's so many weird things about this movie and I just I can't believe it's all in one script and got made and John Malkovich is great. I don't really have really anything any bad things to say. Really, all I want to do is hear more fan theories. Yeah, fan theories are fun. That's so cool that you love the movie. <laughs> I'm very happy. Just for like my final summary of why I think, in general, Charlie Kaufman's writing works so well and kind of the thing that he does better than a lot of other writers who kind of try to do what he does is he makes these very weird movies. Like mm-hmm. Eternal Sunshine, when you break it down to its plot, it's very weird. This movie is very weird. You know, adaptation is very weird. But he never, a lot of people make the mistake of wanting to write movies like him or people or his colleagues where they come up with a weird idea first Mm. and they'll be like, I want to make a movie about you put on a hat and then you can see everything that your dad has ever done his whole life. You know, like, I just made that. It's not a good idea. Right. You know, so then, then they go, okay, now I want to write that movie. Okay. Who puts on the hat? 
a guy named Jim. You end up not really having fleshed out characters because you're worried so much about your concept. Right. And I feel like Charlie Kaufman goes the other way where, like I said, this started with what kind of emotions would a man go through if he wanted to sleep with someone who wasn't his wife? Mm -hmm. That's what he was interested in exploring. Then he added the John Malkovich stuff in the weird tunnel, and he never lost sight of those characters. Right. And what that the movie was about them. It, it didn't go off and become about science fiction and how to do it. That, mo- that stuff is in there, but he doesn't forget it. So that's kind of just, it's a very simple thing to say, like, yeah, don't forget your characters. But I just see so many movies that have like a quote unquote good idea, and then you watch it, and the characters are bland as all hell. Right. And then, you know, like, like, this is a bad example, but I'm thinking of what was that action movie with Jeff Br- R.I.P.D. where they were like, oh. it, it was, but like <laughs> so on paper, I don't actually hate that. Like it was almost like a Men in Black for the Dead, where like you know if if you're a ghost and you're running amok, they send this thing. But then they wrote nothing. Like those characters were bland as hell. They did yeah. nothing past think of oh that's kind of a cool idea, and you know. It, and me, because I work kind of in the industry and, you know, you meet a lot of people who are writing scripts. You meet a thousand people, especially people who've never written something in the morgue, but I have a good idea for a movie. Right. What if this happens to this and then this? And you're like, yeah, but you couldn't write that into a good movie. Like, right. anyone can come up with a crazy first idea. So, yeah, like, I don't think it's remarkable that Charlie Kaufman came up with, what if you went in a tunnel and it put you in John Malkovich's head? You know, like, I could get weird like that, but to then craft that into such a well-written cohesive movie that pays off and has a beginning a middle and an end and mm-hmm. doesn't lose like its connection to humanity that's what makes him a good writer compared to someone who just thinks of ideas like charlie kaufman he thinks of the arts and you can always make the story crazier yeah like but the arc is more important right the characters you have to be invested in them yeah. to even care to go through the movie so yeah i agree with you for sure nice you got lucky andy <laughs> lucky I picked a great movie. (laughs) Okay, folks, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have the time, take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Masha. And I'm Andy. And I hope you Malkovich what I Malkovich.